What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast is presented by my delightful and important and vital Patreon members where you can become a member by going to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Again, that's patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Become a member, make a $5 a month donation. It's like a cup of coffee a month, just like a, any other subscription to the New York Times, the New York Post, Slate Magazine, the Chase Thomas Podcast we're all one and the same. That's what people are saying. And you can support the show by doing that today. It would be great in continuing to put out as much content as I am. Because guess what? I'm doing seven pods a week, sometimes more. We are doing interviews with pro wrestlers, former NBA players, NBA GMs, coaches, college coaches, college ADs. We are doing movie reviews on Sundays uh, that you can find with Musee and Thomas. Every single Sunday, we're reviewing a different movie. Uh, Monday through Friday, we're getting NBA, NFL, college football, Major League Baseball, team beat writers. You're getting pro wrestling analysis. You're getting the sports reporters. Reporters. What is it? I don't even know. America's favorite sports writers? I think that's what we're calling it. On Friday with some of the best sports writers and sports thinkers on the internet today. We are doing all this every single day. New content every day. You know what else I'm doing every day? I'm writing every day. You can read my Monday uh, Atlanta sports column. That comes out every Monday. On Tuesdays, you can read my Monday Night Raw recap. On Wednesday, you can read my Impact Wrestling recap. On Thursday, you can read... Hold on, let me check my notes here. I'm not sure off the top of my head. I'll come back to it. On Friday, the Friday mailbag. Um... Oh, I know what I'm doing on Thursday. We're doing the AEW Dynamite review. On Friday, we're doing the Nobody Asked Mailbag, like I said. Maybe that'll turn into an actual mailbag. If you would like to send uh, those, you can do so by going to emailing me at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can read my SmackDown recaps on Saturday morning. You can read my newsletter that goes out every Saturday morning. We'll eventually have a tiny letter or Substack uh, once I get that pesky PO box, but I will update you all soon and then uh sunday volunteers yeah every saturday guess who's in knoxville me guess who'll be covering tennessee football tennessee basketball for the next several years maybe ever me falls go go read my stuff um you can read all of it at chase thomas podcast.com i would highly encourage you to check it out chase thomas podcast.com slash page hyphen 11 where you can read all my stuff get access to all of my episodes all that good stuff Go to Apple, subscribe there, leave me five stars, leave a review, help the show continue to grow and move into that top 200 permanently on Apple Podcasts, subscribe on Spotify, tell a friend, share the show. This intro is three minutes long. That's entirely too long for an intro. Too long. And I just did a long pause. I don't know why. All right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to a another edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. I am now joined by 
someone who is more familiar with megaphones than myself, Olivia Smith. Olivia, good morning for you. How are you doing? Yes, it's morning. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Um, how nervous are you with the megaphone? I that uh, you're you have a lot of megaphone experience. I feel like everything I've seen from you on Twitter and news stories, it's uh, you with the megaphone in your hand. And uh, I don't know. I don't think I could do it. Yeah, it. I actually hate public speaking. Really? Um, I do it. I do it all the time. Um, it's gotten easier, but it's still. I'm. I'm still not comfortable with it. Like I always get really nervous. Um, but I do find like chanting. It like kind of takes away my nerves. So if I'm about to give like a speech, I'm gonna start it with a chant, and that'll like energize the crowd, calm me down a little bit. Um, so the megaphone really helps a lot. So you you still get nervous every time. Yep. Every time. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I can do it. I'm not a public speaker either. I I think people misconstrue hosting a podcast with being comfortable in front of large crowds. Those two are not one and the same. And uh yeah, this, this is very different. different. It's totally different. And it's just like depending on the context, there are like other external factors that also like like I'm always anxious at protests and stuff because mm. we've got the cops, we've got fascists. We might get arrested. We might get hurt. You know, all these other factors. But it's not just about public speaking. It's like, oh, I could get like the shit beat out of me by police today. Um, so that definitely adds to the anxiety for sure. So we'll we'll get into some lighter stuff momentarily because I have like nine yeah. questions about Lily, um, your cat. Um, <laughs> at least nine. But what are you seeing on the front line? You've been in Portland. You live in Portland. You're um, part, you're a DSA co-chair. What are you seeing on the front lines that you think people, especially national media is missing? So when you're like listening to the debates and those two talk about what's going on in Portland and they give their answers on like how to fix it and things like that, like, what are you seeing that it's just, you're like that they don't get it or people that are tweeting about Portland are just completely oblivious of. Yeah, so we've been out um, protesting police violence in Portland every single night since the end of May um, in response to the murder of George Floyd was the, was the first night of protest, and it's just been going ever since. Um, and the main demand around this is for our city to um, defund the police by either 50 million or 50 percent. I've, I've seen both demands going around Um and our city officials have refused to do that. Um, I think that when we when we hear people talking about it on a national stage, it gets really frustrating because it's turned into like this Democrat versus Republican issue. And like Ted Wheeler, who's our mayor, um, you know, is painted as a sort of like resistance hero because the federal um the federal officers that Trump sent in, um, he was supposedly opposed to them and went out and got tear gassed, um, which was all a photo op. Like people don't realize we're protesting him. We are protesting Mayor Ted Wheeler and our Democratic city council. Um, they're the ones who have the power over the police. The mayor is the police commissioner. Um, and he's the one who has the power to heed our demands and take away money and power from the police, which is what we're asking, which is what he's refusing to do. But then he gets to go on CNN and MSNBC every other day and, and say that, you know, he's the resistance just because like Trump takes jabs at him 
uh, from time to time. And it's really frustrating because I think that um, the national media is missing the point. These protests would stop if the if our city leaders just listened to our demands to take away money and power from our police. Like, we don't need to be funding our cities like this. Every single year, they cut health care, jobs, housing, education, parks, but they increase the police budget. And we don't want to fund our cities like that anymore. And if they listened to us and stopped increasing the police budget and actually funded our communities instead, we wouldn't be out there protesting. But that's not happening. And so we're still out there. How do you see this ultimately unfolding? Like, how do I see it ending? Yeah. Like it, you're, let's say like two, two sides to this coin, uh, you're optimistic, the optimistic side and the cynical pessimistic side. How do you see this going? My optimistic side is that, uh, Ted Wheeler loses his reelection bid in November and we get a mayor who will actually listen to the movement and, um, change, change our city's funding priorities and, Dismantle are right that you're excited about. Um, so DSA has not endorsed in the uh, mayoral race, but there are is it one candidate um, who's on the ballot against Ted Wheeler, and um, others are backing a write-in candidate. Um, both would be a major improvement over uh, Ted Wheeler, and so if he loses, I think things will change. Um, I think, you know, it also kind of depends on what happens in the general presidential election. Um, (laughs) There are so many possible outcomes to that scenario, and I think it's going to be ugly uh, either way. And so people are going to be protesting not just about police violence, but about, um, you know, democracy and the future of our country. And so that'll be, you know, really interesting to see how that plays out. What have you what have you seen when you're out there at night? What are some things that uh, you've seen personally that you are just still amazed you actually saw? Yeah, um well especially, you know, we the police, the Portland police tear gassed us um repeatedly hundreds and hundreds of times over the summer. Um tear gassing residential neighborhoods. Um there were people who were like my family is just like trying to sleep and we have to go get a hotel now because we have a baby or my wife is pregnant and our house is being gassed. Um, and there's no reason for that. Um, we also found out recently that when the federal officers were here, they were using like zinc chloride and some other like chemical weapons that aren't tear gas. It's like actually really bad, really bad stuff. And, you know, we felt that I, I got gassed by that stuff and I was like about to throw up. I was like this, I've been tear gassed before. This feels really bad. Um, and my husband Connor like actually had like a huge rash reaction from that, which they said was shingles. Um, and now we found, found out that, you know, this is zinc chloride can like cause trigger really harmful reactions like that. Um, and it's just, I think we're going to have to look at the long-term health effect of what took place here this summer. Uh, because it's just, it was shocking to see the amount of force and the amount of chemical weapons and, uh, quote, less than lethal munitions that were fired 
on on protesters in this city. Um, this is something, you know, that our military, of course, does abroad all the time. But it's really, you know, these tactics are now coming home to the Imperial Corps to be used on our own population. The biggest thing that you you think Portland protesters are looking for, because uh, you have your demands. What has been the, is there a consensus on the what, like, I know there are a lot of different things that, um, like a lot of different demands, obviously, that uh, you all want. But like, what is there something that when y'all are talking and when you're trying to figure out strategy and things like that, is there one thing in particular that stands out of like, just like, I, I feel like it's the budget, but is there anything else that stands out? I mean, you know, defund the police is the main demand, but no one ever, ever covers the second half of that, which is fund our communities. You know, that's clearly not happening right now. When we mm-hmm. had um, like horrific wildfires, um, the city government response to the wildfires was just horrible. They should have been handing out masks and air filters and taking care of all the houseless people who had to sleep in the toxic air because we also have a huge homelessness crisis. Um, but instead, you saw all the protesters actually doing that stuff, handing out filters, masks, and um, doing donation drives. Um, somehow, our police get unlimited funds to brutalize our communities uh, and fire tear gas into these residential neighborhoods. But our firefighters have to run donation drives for the supplies they need. We don't have to fund our communities like this anymore. Um, and I think that we need to remember that when we say defund the police, it also is about reallocating those funds into things that actually help our community. When you look at where the country is going as a whole, and a lot of this, I guess, depends on the election too, but I have I, I, I have doubts about how much uh, Joe Biden transforms uh, the country, even if he were to get into <laughs> office um, with any sort of real progressive agenda. But what is your biggest worry about where the United States is going over the next couple of years? You know, I think uh, there's this quote uh, by this uh, Italian, famous Italian Marxist Antonio Gramsci, who said, uh, the old world is dying and the new world struggles to be born. Now is the time of monsters. And I think that is just, so accurate when we talk about the current moment that we're in. It is the t- it is the time of monsters right now. Um, you know, all over right wing corners of the internet, people are valorizing Kyle Rittenhouse. Um, legislators are passing laws to allow people to run over protesters with their cars. Um, the, the wheels are coming off, and our government is losing legitimacy as it should. Um, but it's how we respond to it now, which is which is the major question. I think things are going to get a lot worse before they get better. But it's our job as organizers and activists to make sure that it does get better. Um, And so I think we're going to have to do like a major street response um, in response to whatever happens in the election uh, in November, whether Biden wins, whether Trump wins, whether, you know, whether we even have elections, like we don't know, we really don't know what's going to happen in November. Um, But whatever outcome we get, we're going to have to respond to it uh, and be ready for organizing whatever comes next. What was the 
biggest draw to you when you first got involved with democratic socialism america like what was the draw because uh were you just all a liberal before and then you kind of just um did more research and did more homework and then you realized that oh i might be um this might be a better fit for me how did how did that come about for you yeah um it was really like the Bernie Sanders campaign and Bernie just talking about these issues that um, are common sense, really, you know, we should all have healthcare. We should all um, have education. We should all live in a society that takes care of us. Um, And he called himself a democratic socialist. Mm. And, uh, you know, it it had just never occurred to me that there was an alternative. I was like the Democrats, you know, they're, they're not great, but I guess this is the best we have. Um, and then Bernie said he was a democratic socialist and I was like, oh, there's actually an entire like system, a systemic alternative to capitalism that I hadn't even considered. Um, and so well, hold on. I, have you and, considered centrism? <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say I was, I was a liberal, uh, mm-hmm. not a centrist, but I was a liberal before then. Um, and yeah. I just I joined DSA the day after Trump got elected because um, it was an organization that gave that actually allowed me to participate in it. Like the Democratic Party is a fundraising apparatus. It doesn't have members. Not really. Uh, There's no actual lowercase d Democratic control over the Democratic Party. Um, Mm. And and the, the Democratic Socialists of America is run by its members. Uh, funded by its members. Like I don't work for DSA. I was elected to my leadership position by members um, and members determine the work we do. And um, it's just a way for people to meaningfully um, organize in their communities and try to take power away from billionaires and shift it towards the working class in in a way that the Democratic Party has never been able to offer people. Do you think there's a world where the DSA and the Democratic Party work hand in hand? No. Um, you know, DSA is a big tent organization, meaning we've got we've got people who do want to do that. Uh, and we've also got communists and anarchists. Um, I personally think, you know, DSA has historically operated as a sort of pressure group inside the Democratic Party. And I don't think that's gone anywhere. Um, I think that what we need to do now is build an alternative. Um, I think we're, we're on our way to a hundred thousand members right now, um, which we'll probably reach by November. And I think we have, um, we have the foundation for an actual working class party in this country. Uh, that's where I think we should go as an organization, but that is not uh, necessarily reflective of everyone's views within the organization. Is it, more going the other way or more tending towards your side? Uh, it's pretty mixed. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big tent. <laughs> yeah. Is it growing? Is that like, is yeah. so the membership is up from a year ago. Like, do you kn- know kind of like where y'all are headed and like what the calculus is over like the next five years? Like, do you expect this tent to continue? Can you get a lot bigger? Absolutely. Um, we are in a little recruitment drive right now, DSA 100K, mm-hmm. um, and we're expecting to have 100,000 members by um, no- by November 6th. 
Um, that's the deadline for the 100K recruitment drive. I think we're going to get there. Something's going um, on the 6th, and- correct? <laughs> is it the sixth or is it the fourth? I thought it was the third or the fourth. Is it the third or the fourth? I don't even know. I, I don't know. I, I I woke up this morning and forgot that it was early October and that the election is literally a month away. Because I was like, ah, oh, it's still got time. And then I was like, oh my God, we're literally I know. a month away from this. We're a month away from hell. I know. I know. Well, we're in it right now. I was going to say, never yeah. mind. It just a, a deeper, <laughs> a deeper, uh, deeper part of hell, I guess. We're just continuing to mine our way through to the center of the earth. Exactly. Um, And, you know, I think just like um, right after the 2016 election when DSA exploded in membership, I think we're going to see another explosion after um, this year's election. So we are preparing for that for sure. My biggest thing, and I, there have been uh, political pundits that, I mean, I listen to a lot of different stuff. And one of the things I think about a lot is if, and one of my good friends, Philip and I, we talked about this where Neither of us are enthused about Joe Biden, obviously, but if he were to win and squeak out a win, Democrats would be like, oh, see, leftist centrism is the real winner. And then we get further and further away from a progressive agenda. And then you have the other side where it's like if Trump wins in like a landslide, then does that mean they're more progressives and that they finally learn to not push aside Bernie Sanders and AOC and uh, just different people all around the country. Like, do you do you think about that sometimes? Where you're like this, a, a, just an absolute slaughter from Donald Trump in November would make Democrats reconsider their poly- policy positions and their candidates and their strategy going forward, or is that just like still no. I can't do that? No, I mean what we're we are reliving 2016 right now. Yeah. Joe Biden is the nominee. Uh, and who is in many ways uh, slightly more conservative than Hillary Clinton. Um, we're, we're reliving the exact same thing. Um, I don't think they've learned any lessons from this. And I actually think um, Trump's election was great for the Democratic Party in terms of fundraising um, because they got to, you know, sort of brand it as this resistance uh, thing. Yeah. And um, no, I don't, I don't think they're going to take any lessons from this because they don't actually care if, Trump wins or loses because they're still going to benefit regardless. I'm talking about the people in the very upper echelons of the Democratic Party, of course, um, because, of course, the Democratic Party is not Democratic and Democratic voters don't get a say in what the Democratic Party does, which is evidenced by the fact that the majority of Democratic voters support Medicare for all. The majority of Democratic voters support the Green New Deal. The majority of Democratic voters uh, oppose the occupation of Palestine. And yet, None of those things made it into the Democratic Party's 2020 platform. Um, well, so hold on. he hasn't I, released it yet. I, let, let, fingers crossed on the Joe Biden platform. <laughs> the Joe Biden platform. No, I mean, the Democratic Party platform yeah. that was um, at the 2020 DNC. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, I think that um, the Democratic Party is not Democratic. And so it doesn't actually matter what Democratic voters want. want. It matters what uh, their donors want and uh, how much they can fundraise. And so, no, there are no lessons for them uh, in whatever happens. Yeah. All right. Well, we can wrap up with some happier notes, Olivia. Uh, <laughs> while the world is burning. We're, we're the dog in the in the room with the fire burning around him. But um, yes, yes. What is going on with your cat? That's a very uh, that's a very loaded question. But Lily, she's a lion now. I think you you like for the listeners who do not know. Um, 
Lily, yeah. it, it, you have several animals. You you got a you got a zoo going on, Olivia. Yes, but I dig we've it. We've got um, two cats and two dogs. Um, and Lily is our big, fluffy, long hair orange cat. Um, and we did not know she was going to be a long hair cat when she was a kitten. She was still pretty short haired, and so we didn't really take the best care of her beautiful fur, and it got um, pretty matted. So uh, she got what is officially called, apparently by groomers, uh, the lion cut, <laughs> um, which means they, you know, shaved her whole torso, her whole body, except, you know, they kept her mane and her um, tail and her boots, like on her little legs. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Do cats have legs? Arms and legs? Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. They're yeah. Legs, right? I guess it's the Connor, yeah, they're all legs. Connor gets mad when I call them arms sometimes. He's like, they don't have arms. They have four <laughs> legs. Uh, okay. Anyway, so she looks and feels like a plush stuffed animal now um, with her little lion cut. It's, she really likes it. We thought she was going to be like furious at us when mm-hmm. she came home from the groomer, um, but she seems like she really likes it. She's she's faster. She's quicker. She's smaller. She's more agile. Mm. Um, she's enjoying it, I think. There you have it, folks. Everybody, shave your heads. You'll be more agile. Um, <laughs> Oleg or Moon? You only can keep one. Who is it? Oh, Oleg is my dog. Moon I, is I figured Connor's you would dog. say that, but like I figured you would do that based on uh, the Instagram stuff, but uh, I, I didn't know you had to think about that. <laughs> oh, wait, do, so, do, I post, do I post more Oleg than Moon? Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> and Moon looks, I'm not going to lie, Moon looks sad. That's a sad looking dog. Is that fair? She's cute. Very yes. cute. She's sad looking. Oleg looks like... It's funny. Yes. He looks my, like a tornado. My dad, uh, my dad, whose first language is not English, he says, Moon looks like she has the anguish. Yes. Um, which makes me laugh because it's so true. She 100% She's fine, does. though. She's happy. <laughs> it's just her face. She's just going through it. She, You know what, you yeah. know what it is? You got to take her phone away at some point. You can't let her scroll <laughs> You can't let her doom scroll twitter.com You're all day right. long. It's not good. Not Social good media um, poisoning her mind. Exactly. Exactly. What is uh the last portion of our uh let's check in on the animals at uh, the the Smith residence. Um how do how are the dogs and cats living together? I don't you don't see that very often. We joke about it, but how do two dogs and two cats live together? Is there any crazy fights? How do they do they play together? How does this work? There's no fights, really. Um, I I think the dogs are a little bit scared of the cats because they don't quite understand what they are. Hmm. Um, but yeah, they they all get along. They they don't do a lot of playing together, but they just mostly leave each other alone. Um, the dogs like to put. They used to like to put um, Lily's head in their mouth, which I guess <laughs> is is the way that um, wolves say hello. It's like a sign to be like, I could kill you but I'm your friend, so I'm not going to. Um, so they used to put Lily's head in their mouths all the time in a friendly way. My but friends. Yeah. <laughs> but then we got a second cat, Hugo, who like is like, fuck around and find out. You know, you don't mess with Hugo. So mm. they stopped kind of messing with, with both the cats. Interesting, interesting. Um, well, this has been great, Olivia. What, um, to wrap up here, why should people join the DSA? How can they help? How can they help with what's going on in Portland? for people scattered all across the country and the world. Um, what, uh, what can they do? Yeah. Um, I think that 
now is the time that we need to find courage and we have to be united to uh, fight what comes next. And DSA believes that a better world is possible. And we have thousands of people working to actually make that a reality. So get organized, uh, join up, talk to people in your community, talk to your coworkers. Um, It's now or never. There you go. I like it. Good way of wrapping up. Olivia, please stay safe. Um, say hi to the animals for me. Big. I'm a big uh, <laughs> Lily the Lily the, the the lion person, and sad moon, and very pro sad moon. Oleg looks like trouble. Oleg looks like I would not be able to handle him for more than a week. So I. Uh, They're all trouble. Yeah. There you go. Well, thank you so much, Olivia. I appreciate the time. Like I said, stay safe. Um, go get your run in. Uh, I don't know if it's that early morning or evening running, uh, whatever it is. Um, thank you so much for the time and, uh, we'll have to do this again soon. Thanks for having me. All right. That'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. Did you like what you heard? Heard? Did you like what you heard? I think is what I'm trying to say, right? That's what I'm trying to say. That's the correct English. Um, then guess what? Here's what you do. You go to Apple, you leave it five stars, you leave a review. You let people know why they should listen to this show. You go to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. You become a member. $5 a month. Go do it. You can do more. I'm not going to say no. Um, go to ChaseThomasPodcast.com. Read all my stuff. ChaseThomasPodcast slash page hyphen 11. It's great stuff. Writing every day. Doing the pod every day. Support the best independent sports podcast today. No one's doing what I'm doing. Nobody can touch me. Let's keep this thing moving. Let's keep the lights on. Let's keep getting after it. I'm hyped up. Follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas. Like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Thank you all for your support as this show continues to grow. We'll be back, yeah, tomorrow. Because guess what? This show is daily and it's all thanks to you guys. Talk to you soon. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.